You ought to know, I'm Alan Clark. The comedian Rodney Dangerfield made a living with the phrase, I can't get no respect. He always followed that line with a litany of complaints about the disrespect he was experiencing from the likes of his wife, his boss, and most people in general. I went to see a psychiatrist, goes one of his examples. He told me I was crazy. I said I'd like a second opinion, and he said, okay, you're ugly too. I sometimes feel as a Southerner I'm also inflicted with a dose of danger field. Seems like we don't always get the respect we deserve, especially when it comes to politics and the public's perception. A lot of it derives from the way we talk, which to many sounds like we're not very smart. The state of Georgia's Jimmy Carter managed to elicit enough respect based upon his military accomplishments and literally being at the right place at the right time. He followed the Nixon-Ford debacle, remember, to get himself elected in 1977 for one term, which began with amnesty for Vietnam-era draft dodgers and ended with a failed mission to rescue hostages in Iran. The Iranians disrespected Carter so much they waited until Ronald Reagan was elected to free the hostages. Following his presidency, Carter has become a distinguished statesman and spokesman for the Democratic Party on many issues, including the fairness of elections and humanitarian service to countries all over the world. But he's suffered through global issues such as the oil crisis while in office to cause many to question whether or not he was up to it. Then came Arkansas's Bill Clinton, who balanced the budget and did much to erase the digital divide in the nation but whose disdain for the military and publicized indiscretions almost got him impeached. Although elected to two terms, he gave way to George Bush and continued to push for democratic, yea, progressive ideals with an eye toward becoming the first, first gentleman as Hillary's spouse in the doghouse. His southern twang was more pronounced than Carter's and defined what it is like to be a southern democrat in office. We predicate the following on the fact that we were born and raised in the South during the post-World War II days, the mid-1940s to mid-1960s. Our views are based on our experience, and we do not pretend to speak for all people of the South. There's a great difference between today's Southerner and a native Southerner highlighted by a noted divide between the values of the rural and small-town South and that of the larger cities. That divide can be linked to the fact that large southern cities are dominated by non-native southerners. The native southerner is not impressed by elitist politics or political correctness, which dominates the politics of many of the larger southern cities. Big cities have become the home of progressivism, current political speak for the liberalism dominated by the far left. Despite what you've heard on TV or read in articles, progressivism is not a spinoff of classic liberalism. A recent article by Professor Ralph Rako, a noted European economist and historian, points out that classical liberalism, from the writings of Adam Smith, for example, promote freedom and individual rights, grounded in the principles of the rule of law, contrasted with the rule of men, private property ownership, free enterprise, that is, people voluntarily engaging in financial transactions, and a severely limited government. 
Progressivism is political jabberwocky, since it is not progressive at all, but another more palatable word for socialism. It is the antithesis of classic liberalism. Progressivism's natural enemies are limited government, free markets, private property ownership, and the rule of law. Progressivism promotes the redistribution of wealth, an unattainable objective that demands an ever-growing, inefficient, centralized government. It relies on uniformity and conformity among the governed. It will never work because people will always have different dreams, different aspirations, different likes and dislikes, different pursuits, and different levels of motivation. This is especially true in the South. The native southerner will never be shamed into abandoning endemic values anchored by faith in God and personal responsibility. When he or she goes to the voting booth, they're voting to preserve a way of life.